Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and I'm joined by Marlene Royal. Hello, Rebecca, and hello to our master's audience. Yeah, Faster Masters. Yeah. Getting, fast, getting faster all the time, right? We've been through almost a whole sprint season now. We've got Visa World Masters coming up, one more big kind of event, but yeah, that's there. early September. And I've seen a few mentions online of people going to Liborne. And yes. um, looks like it's going to be an awesome regatta. After that, of course, uh, we in New Zealand have our Masters National Championships. It's at the end of September, so it's the 18th. It's two-day regatta. It's been really interesting. Are you familiar with the block racing format? You mean in terms of like heat semifinals, repechage, and that and that? Yeah. Well, it's a little bit more than that. So what they do is they take that obviously classic heat semifinal repechage. I'm not sure we have repechages. Um, progression. Progression. Yeah. But what they do is they define from like 8 a.m. through to 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. They have, I think, 15 events. So it could be the women's A pair, the men's E quad, the women's F8, so that they're really separated in ages. And they run that entire event in that three-hour oh. period. Oh, that's, a, that's great. And then they run mixed races at the end of the block. And then they have a, a small gap and then they start a new block. And so what's so interesting from a club organization point of view is boat sharing becomes much easier. So you just allocate the boat to that one crew for that block. They set it up the way they want. It does require you to be fitter because you need to do sometimes well, yeah. you know, three races in quite quick succession. But it's really great because actually then over the course of a two-day regatta, you don't have all the finals right at the end with everyone mm -hmm. chasing around like madmen. And it it keeps people there and interested, you know, throughout. It's not like, hey, I just got knocked out of everything, so I'm going to go to the bar. Right, right. Well, and also, I mean, I think just having three races relatively close to each other instead of one at eight o'clock in the morning and then your final is at five o'clock in the evening and you have to sort of hang around all day going back and forth to your car or back and forth to the hotel or something like that it just seems like it, it's much much more efficient than in terms of resting for the next day as well exactly having said that i've been trying to do the whole schedule for my club oh, and we have a couple of people where all their events are on day two not on day one um, so that's, you know, a, a little bit of a hiccup. It's not, it's not insurmountable because there are quite often mixed events where what they do is the mixed events, they don't do heat semifinal. It's a, they divide you up based on the average age of the crew. So, you know, say it's the, the E mixed quads, they'll average all the crews and they'll go, right, the youngest lot, you will go in heat mm -hmm. one, the next, they call them divisions, heat two, division three and so on. Well, that's similar, I think, to at FISA, the FISA World Masters regatta. You know, when they they yes. they they split them up, there's no heats, heat semifinals, etc. It's just one race, but they they group them in the same age categories. 
yeah. within the age category. <laughs> so. Correct. That's exactly yeah. right. right. And so although you can't say I am the fastest, you just have to compare times between heats and everyone knows that that's it's it's OK. But if the weather conditions change, you know, it right. can be um, not a direct comparison, well, not a fair direct comparison. Anyway, so so that's something that New Zealand rowing learned from Australia masters rowing. Um, and it's certainly worthwhile looking at if anyone's interested, get in touch. I have a um, a little PDF of the uh, and a spreadsheet of all of the events and the sequence of racing. The only thing I found so far, which is really annoying, we have um, some women who want to do a C Coxless four and they're a, a B double and a D double. And the D double is in the same block as the oh. C Coxless four. So I said, well, don't worry, let's look elsewhere in the regatta and see if you can race down and do the B Cox list for. And it's in the same block. Oh, so, oh, that's a bummer. As is the A. So A and B is combined because actually we don't have very many people in those age mm -hmm. categories. So it's the A, B and the C happen to be in the same racing block, which is a little unfortunate. But that's okay. I'll, I'll point it out to them and see if they can fix that for next year. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. I mean, it there's so much to coordinate with all the age groups and the boat classes. I mean, it's a tremendous task for any any organ, organizing committee to balance all of that, for sure. I know that everybody laughs at me and I just I don't take this personally as I do version one. And I send it to a small group of people. And then then I've, I've just sent it round to everyone and said, look, and I've highlighted in green all the mixed events that we could do. You know, if you'd like to do a mixed event, you know, pick out your own crew or say you want to do that. And I'll try and pull a crew together. And um, inevitably, um, people are coming back now going, oh, I just had carpal tunnel operation yesterday. Oh. I have an eye operation that just got scheduled for, you know, the week before. Someone else has just ripped his back. Someone else has had COVID, you know. Someone else has decided they can only do sweep and they're not confident enough sculling. And, you know, this is not me complaining. This is me reflecting the normal facts of life of being a master's squad of rowers. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and that I, I, I would say. Uh, in our reflecting on the week, I mean, that has definitely been something that that as an organizer of a, of a master's program who are all singles, um, you know, this, you just have to be honestly so flexible, you know, because things just happen in the lives of master's athletes. You know, they have older parents to take care of. Right now, kids are getting ready to go to school. So that starts changing. Oh, I can't come to the 645, but I can come to 815. And, you know, unpredictable, you know, vacations. I think that's something I've noticed a lot this year is that you know, we've had two summers of COVID where nobody went anywhere. Yeah. So everybody, well, and we, it, it was the norm for us that, you know, of this, the core regular group, everybody was there all the time. Yeah. And now everyone's going away on vacations at all different times. And so it's a little week like this, like this week, you know, all our sort of regular people for certain sessions, like everybody's gone. And I was like, oh, well, great. I get a weekend off, you know? But everyone's gone. But, you know, yeah, everybody's gone. But um, but I mean, it's it's an adjustment because we got used to all of us being there all the time because nobody was traveling. Nobody could go anywhere. Right. And yeah. now people are, you know, a lot of, a lot more movement of coming in and out. And, you know, people, especially, you know, rowers like to travel and, you know, they they like to go places and see stuff and 
Um, you know, I'm definitely noticing managing all that on the schedule, you know, and, and you just, you know, you have to go with it. You can't say, no, you can't go. You must come to rowing class. You know what I mean? But, but I mean, just a lot more, a lot more flexibility and, you know, and things just happen. You know, my mom fell down, not my mom, but someone said, you know, my mom, my mother-in-law got injured. My mother-in-law broke her hip. She's got to go to the hospital. I can't come and row this weekend. You know, so, I mean, just, Life lives you, as Amy Johnson says. <laughs> now, love, lovely news from this past week is we got some unsolicited testimonials, which I'm so proud of. And I'd very much like to share one, which says, Rebecca, I just wanted to thank you for some racing advice you shared on the podcast. It was the concept of breaking the race down into 250 meter segments out of the 1k giving each a personality and an objective i used this approach at us masters nationals it worked wonderfully in my f single skulls race winning my heat and coming third in the final most importantly i rode my race plan and pb'd in both races the mindset approach was a huge key well thank you so much and um, it's lovely to hear uh, you know, when we've we've done something that's been helpful for you. Oh, yeah. And I actually received a wonderful email as well um, from a woman scholar in, in the U.S. And she said, I've been a faster master since 2021. Your program has worked wonders for me. I was struggling with improving my fitness and your plan lays out very clearly what I need to do. Initially, I didn't ask you why you propose the pieces you do. There is always a method to the madness here. In my mind, when I read what the pieces were for that day, I just said, okay, coach, I can do that. I'm slowly learning more about the why behind your program with all the podcasts and other reading. But the bottom line is having a program I could follow has changed rowing and racing for me. And she goes on to share her results in her sprint races um, and some of the um, athletes that she got to row with and who were um, higher level athletes. And she was able to row really well with, with these athletes and which was great because that can be pretty intimidating, get into a boat with like, you know, some elite athletes. And, um, and then, you know, she concludes at any rate, I wanted to thank you for providing people like me, the opportunity to train for results. And so far I feel the training has benefited me and my teammates greatly. It has made rowing and racing more fun and i look forward to continued growth and you know thank you and you know this is exactly what we're aiming to do you know with the faster masters with with our the the core program which is a competitive program we also have the fitness program for people who want to to train with a lot of attention and mindfulness but it doesn't emphasize the racing skills it still emphasizes the fitness skills and the technical skills but um you know it really helps us to get this feedback as well. Yeah. And so, you know, we always like when people send us feedback because we, we do adjust things based on feedback. So we certainly do. And this week I chose as uh, my photograph, this is Cherie Abrams and her crew at the US Masters Nationals. And it was the first time that she went to this regatta and later on she said that they had got a medal as well so yes. congratulations to Cherie. so vero beach yes that is in florida i know vero beach rowing very well very nice and not not a very very old club by the way either but 
So today's show is sponsored by the Head Racing Training Programme. We know it's still August, but that means you've got just under three months, depending on when your race is, to train and get fit for head racing. And as experienced athletes know, it's not the same sort of fitness as you need for when you're doing sprint racing. You may be doing local races or heading out for a really big event overseas. Everyone needs a program designed for masters. Faster Masters Rowing has a specific head racing fall program included in our monthly subscription plans. These are for individuals, for crews or for clubs. You pick the one that suits you. And in it, you'll be gradually introduced to longer distance workouts and higher stroke rates. Each program is customized to your personal strength and fitness. Find out more at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash our hyphen courses and get ready now for your big day. Now, I went on holiday, vacation, as you call it. I always find holidays and vacations a confusing concept in, in America. Um, and I went to Henley. Well, I went to a different Henley. I went to the middle of Australia to a town called Alice Springs, which is in the desert, uh, a very long way from anywhere. And I attended a regatta called Henley on Todd. And this is definitely one that you want to be mindful of when it comes to your um, maybe, I think possibly, you know, your wish list of crazy things that uh, that you might want to do one day. And the basic concept is it's a fundraiser for the local Rotary Club. And back in 1962, they decided to run a Henley regatta. Now, people who don't know Australians won't know that as a nation, they're very good at laughing at themselves. They don't take themselves too seriously. So the photo you see here is the dry riverbed. I mean, it really is a riverbed, but they've laid it out as a regatta course with seating. There's a grass bank in the background. And on the other side, they have a VIP tent with food and drink, lots of food carts. And it's a day long regatta where you just turn up with your crew and enter on the day. Races include kayaking, surfboard rescue, they have kiddies races like Egg and Spoon. But this one, which I wanted to show you, is the race which is called Surf Skiing. And what you can see here is four people with their feet on two planks of wood. They're hooked on with rubber bands. And they're trying to, whoops, going the wrong way. They're trying to race together in time. And trust me, this isn't easy. So they all have their hands on each other's shoulders and they have to go down and round an oil drum. It's not as easy as it looks. Uh, and 
I had the delightful opportunity during the regatta to do a race with nine of my relatives, because we were there in town for a slightly different celebration. Uh, it, so it was a 10 man boat and we got to uh, all, uh, you had to like run down the river course um, in this carrying a little frame boat. Um, and the frame is a, it's basically like tent poles. And this is me and the crew after we won, it has a fake, you know, sail at the top and little horizontal bars that you hold on to. And uh, we did, we did a heat, which we won quite comfortably. And then in the final, it was really close between us and the 102 FM crew, which as you can see is behind us there. And as we got to the finishing line, the people at the front decided without telling any of us to dive over the lines. They literally jumped and they pulled all the rest of us forward and we all ended up tumbling out over the sand. So it was um, hilarious, pretty crazy, and um, all in all something that I, I I highly recommend anyone doing. You know, if you've done Canadian Henley and, and, and British Henley, it's just another one. It sounds like loads of fun, especially in the middle of the desert. <laughs> and it's, it's winter time, so it, although it was sunny, it, it wasn't too hot. Um, but yeah, so these, these crazy Australians, she says, knowing that my grandmother was born there. So as my husband says, you're half Australian yourself. Now our big topic for the day is overtraining. And it may seem like a bit of a strange thing to be doing at a time of year when perhaps people are having more rest days and vacations and so on. Uh, but it is something that can happen to you at almost any time. And remember, we're talking about masters as a cohort. We are the most diverse stream of athletes in any rowing context. There is more physical and capability diversity in masters than there is in juniors than there is in seniors, partly because of our age ranges, partly because of our physical limitations, Partly because within our group, we will have retired Olympians and complete beginners. And so overtraining is something that is mostly a mindfulness need. You need to be aware of what it is and whether or not it's affecting you. Marlene, do you want to run through the high level summary of what is overtraining? Um, well, you can think of overtraining as... Other terms for this might be also overstress. So um, you start to get burned out. You start to get run. Your system starts to get run down. Um, generally, it, it's kind of it, it can be inspired by increasing your training volume too fast and your body just doesn't adapt to it or increasing. Um, the intensity or doing too much intensity, like you're doing intervals every day, every day, and you're not building in the balance of appropriate recovery. And then at some point, your body is going to give you some pretty clear signs. You got to stop. And, and, and if you don't rest, it's going to create a situation that basically will force you to rest and to recover. So that's kind of like, a you know, there's some clear signs that we can talk about, but that's kind of an over big overview is your body needs 
recovery. So another um, term that's used in the literature is under recovery as well as overtraining. So um, under recovery or overtraining can, there's kind of two different types actually. There, there's one type which is quite muscular, like your muscles just hurt, they're achy, they don't feel very good, it's just difficult, you know, you're kind of out of glycogen, it's just difficult to do anything. And then there's another type of overtraining, which is more central nervous system. So it it's just, it's kind of like you feel your coordination isn't good, your balance isn't very good, you just kind of mentally don't feel very good, um, motivation goes down. So that can be um, when, when just your general central nervous system is a bit overloaded and tired, which is a little bit different than just a muscular type of tiredness. But, you know, it's all, again, under the same umbrella, but they can have a little bit different presentations. Tell us about a time when you have suffered overtraining. You know, I, I haven't been through it much because I was extremely careful about it all the time. Um, but you know, there was a, there was one time in university when, um, we were just pushing very, very hard and, um, you know, and there was just a point where you just kind of felt like you were starting to break down and you weren't just, you just were not recovering not just from day to day, but you just were not recovering for a longer period of time. Um, and then I ended up with, with a very bad muscle strain in my back, which I'm sure was, you know, right there. I mean, I just felt it go, you know, I mean, I can remember the day in the tanks. I just heard it rip right up my back and, you know, and it, and it was the response of just too high a training load, too fast, not enough recovery. Um, and, you know, and it took a long, it, it, you know, it took me out for a whole season, basically, you know, it took a long time to a recover the muscle strain, which was, you know, the, the overtraining started to recover because then I was off right from the regular yeah. training, but the muscle strain took a long time to get back, um, to get back into actual racing. And then even for the whole summer, um, I had to be really careful about rowing. Like I couldn't get in a, I couldn't get in a boat with people who, who were novices or the boat was going to be really unset and, you know, cause that would just be bad. So um, that was my main experience because after that, I, I was actually extremely careful all the time. And, um, you know, I was quite fortunate not to really experience a lot of injuries, even with a lot of training, but, um, but I also like we could talk a little bit about what some of the signs are, um, because I used to back I used to back off really quickly. So one of the things that um, causes overtraining is regular training. And this might sound a little bit oblique or conflicting. But the fact is a training program is designed to stress your body. It's designed to make your muscles work hard, to make your lungs work hard, make your brain work hard too. And it's designed to increase those stresses in a planned, regular process. Now, 
you may have heard of things like mega cycles and meso cycles and mini cycles. So some training programs work on, for example, a three week cycle of a base training week, a slightly higher volume and intensity training week, and then a really high intense week. And then it drops down to the base again. And so what Marlene's described, that cycle of, of training harder and with more and more intensity is normal. And you can see if you put that together with a bunch of athletes, all with unique physiology, the possibility of overtraining can happen. And we'll talk a little bit later about how not to get it, how to um, avoid, avoid it. Yeah. And you don't have to just back off. There are some scientific ways you can address this for yourself. But overtraining is something that comes as normal because we are trying to get fitter. We have to push boundaries. Yes, and it's just pushing the boundaries um, in, in an appropriate way. And that's why a, a well-designed training program is going to help you manage this and know when to build in recovery and when to build up the stress and not to do it too, too fast. So um, uh, it's it's easy to to be very um, ambitious <laughs> sometimes, but yeah. But, so some of the some of the most common warning signs. Your resting heart rate is high in the morning. So if if it's very good to track your rest your your normal resting heart rate in the morning, and um, know what's normal for you. Generally, like let's just say it's fifty. Um, as you get as you get into better shape, your resting heart rate goes down because your heart is able to work stronger. And when you do your, your category six rowing, your base work, that actually increases the, um, the amount that your heart, when you, you're not working at super high heart rate, so your heart can expand and then contract stronger, expand, then contract stronger. So that's why you don't want to work at too high of heart rates when you're doing lower base work. Um, because as you get fitter, your heart is going to get stronger, pump more blood per beat, and your resting heart rate goes down. When you're getting signs of overtraining, you're going to see your heart rate start to creep up. So a general rule of thumb that, that I use is if your heart rate is, and you know, it takes a little while to get a sense of what your normal is, but if you're about five beats higher than normal, Keep an eye on things. Pay, start paying attention to a little more recovery. Not go, you know, just just pay pay attention. If your heart rate starts running ten beats higher than normal for a cup, you know, for one day again, keep an eye on it. But if it starts being a few days in a row, that that that's one sign that you're experiencing some overstress. Um, and my, my advice usually then is like just back off on your interval work and just just like scale back for a couple days and just kind of get let it go down. Um, another sign can be you start to get some injuries. You just start something, some old injury starts to nag at you again. Okay, overtraining is going to go to a weak spot. So if you've got that old injury, it might start to rear its head again. That's another side. Um, feeling really just flat, flat affect, like 
you're just not psyched up for training. You're just kind of not into it. You're sort of really drag. You're really dragging your butt. Um, that's definitely a sign of under recovery and um, lack of motivation. Lack of motivation is a big one. Or even feeling a little bit depressed. You know that that nervous system tiredness where you know oh you just don't have any zip and zoom. Um, appetite can drop. And uh, that that can be another one. Like you just don't don't really feel like eating. You doesn't really feel like much of anything. So those are some of the those are some of the big ones. Um, achy muscles, just you know, just like ow, everything just kind of hurts. Like when you walk up the stairs, everything just kind of hurts. And um, you know, those are real common common kinds of side. Like everything just kind of feels a little, you know, like it's going downhill a little bit. Yeah, I definitely. Personally, it tends to show up for me in lack of sleep, tends mm. to interruption those, of sleep. Yeah, signs on. So uh, I was at the boathouse, something happened, our crew couldn't go out. So I went back home and jumped back into bed and was able to sleep for another two hours. That's not normal for me. What's normal for me is being, I might get back into bed, but once I'm awake, I'm awake. And I, you know, I could read in bed or, you know, but no, this, this didn't happen. It was like gone and asleep again. So that, that could be an under recovery rather than necessarily overtraining. And they're kind of flip sides of the same coin. Um, but again, it's a, I have trained myself to watch for these warning signs and just to take a mental note, um, you don't always have to write these down in your training diary. If you're a habitual training diary user, it's a great way to go. If you use various apps, Marlene, show off your new toy on oh, your wrist. Just, oh, here, yes. The, yes. Marlene went shopping. Yes, um, yes. But a lot of the you know, modern apps will track these things for you. And it's not just a matter of doing the readings. You do also need to review your day-by-day -day, um, actual readings mm -hmm. over a a period which might be a week or a month uh, so that you can you just get a sense of what's normal for you so that's a sort of a broad summary of of what the warning signs are however most athletes are just usually dying to get back into regular training what they would consider normal so how can we use the downtime profitably so that we are a better, stronger, more prepared athlete when we come back? Well, just because you experience overtraining doesn't mean that you have to stop all activity. You just, you have to change your activity. Um, so one, one big tip is just go down to base training. So if you feel our, you, can, you can do your lower, say your lower intensity rows, your longer distance rows, but avoid, avoid hard, like AT work and interval work, race pace work until your heart rate is back down to normal. So you can put in your easy, your easier workouts. I would just not go overboard in the time, but it's also generally advisable for recovery, not to be on your feet. Um, so it's better to row easy it's better to cycle and go out on your bike easy that would be better than going for a jog um 
that is one thing that that is a little bit different like getting off your feet is going to be a little bit less demanding than say going for a run um walking could be good because it's low intensity so you you can drop your activity level to just lower intensities it doesn't mean that you need to necessarily stop but you might want to also just do something um more for example like just going out for a row to enjoy nature you know just just kind of not having competitive pressure on your on your mind that's one way just enjoying your surroundings getting out into a different environment um going you know just going for a bike ride somewhere that's more relaxing that's one way to use this downtime other ways are go out in the coach boat yes with your coach if you're if you're really like you've got you know sometimes it can be bad and you need you know you need a few days completely off but if you if you want to be with your crew go out in the coach boat observe the boat be with the team you don't necessarily have to not be with your team during this period of time um yeah. they could be on the ergs for example and maybe you're just doing an easy spin on the spinning bike right you're just it's active rest so you could still be together with your team doing things um if you really have to back up or you know great things go get a sports massage help you that's going to really help improve your recovery um you know the relaxation and also just addressing any areas in your body that might be just really really tired um your nutrition nutrition is big for over like overtraining getting your protein getting your b vitamins if it's quite severe you know you'll probably want to have a blood profile done and have them check your iron have them check other key factors like your your b12 um because that's b12 is very closely related to your um to your nerves and b12 helps um your nervous system and, and then your nerve conduction um recover quite well so looking at those foods that are going to give you good protein iron b vitamins um so so diet is very very important um for for recovering absolutely and i would add in try something that you don't habitually include in your program so take a yoga class nearly all of us could be more flexible more mobile and it doesn't matter what age you are you can do yoga appropriate to your age and your mobility do core work you can probably still do sit-ups press-ups simple core strength strengthening pilates all of these exercises won't exercise your heart and lungs to extreme but they can help you build up strength in areas that perhaps sorry hand on heart i know i neglect <laughs> well yes and i think that's a good point that you're you don't want to raise your heart rate really high when you're in a, when you're in a state of overstress you want to participate in activities that help you feel better like you certainly don't you know if you don't have to stop cold you know you might need a couple days of just really rest but that's not going to go far because you're going to feel like you want to do something mm -hmm. and move so flexibility work mobility things that just loosen up your muscles going for a walk getting out just getting outside for your mental state is really good um 
So, but you don't want to raise your heart rate up. That is the thing that you can do easy aerobic work, but you don't want to get into the AT zone and those harder zones um, because they, they contribute quite a bit more stress from a training point of view. So, so you just want to downgrade all that until, until your heart rate's down back to normal. You know, when your yeah. heart rate comes down to normal and you start to feel better, you're going to, you're going to say, you know what? Okay. I feel ready to go now. And, and it's a little bit like at the end of the racing season, when we have a transition, a lot of times people want to jump right into winter training. And I'm like, no, 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 please wait a little bit, you know, and I want you to back up. And I tell them, I want, you know, go into an active rest period until you really feel like you're ready to get back to training again. Like you feel normal and mo about your normal level of motivation. So I think, you know, that's what you're looking for here as well. And the key to coming back to training is the number of days off you have had is the number of days you need before you can go back to full training. So you've been off for three days. You know, you might train light, medium for two days, uh, you know, and then get back on the third or the fourth day into the regular training. Been off for 10 days. You know, you might come back only doing something alternate days um, or maybe doing yoga on the intervening days. So it's remember the rule of thumb because you do, don't want to be out again yes and and for for adult athletes um the older you are the more difficult it is to rebound because just you know all the healing process just happens slower so you know prevention prevention is a much much better approach in my opinion and you know i i like to advise err on the side of caution be conservative. I would much rather say, you know what, take an extra weekend off than risk three weeks off or something like that. So, you know, I, I just, I just think, you know, even you have a plan, a plan is a plan. If you need an extra day off in the middle of the week, take it. You got, you didn't sleep well, you know, build, build that in. You do have to be reasonable about, um, getting enough rest. So training, like when you really haven't had enough sleep is also not that advisable, you know, and sleep issues certainly affect masters, men and women quite a lot. You know, they're just nights when sleep is interrupted quite a bit. And, you know, that's something to manage and it's not always easy. So you might need an extra day off here and there. I recall back in the day when I was training in a club, Debbie Flood, who is a very successful mm. British women's athlete, uh, came to join us for the eights head of the river. Uh, the British team used to release athletes back to their clubs to do this race. And she'd been in the squad for a couple of years. She'd never been in a sweet boat. So it was a lot of fun for her. It was a lot of fun for us having her in the boat. And, you know, she would, she came, I think, for maybe two, couple of weekends before the big race. And I remember we would train, we would then go up to the club room and we would have tea and toast and talk and then we'd go out and do a second session. And I remember her lying next to the radiator, curled up on the floor without even a cushion, fast asleep in between outings. And for me, that was like, oh man, this she looks like she's suffering. You know, is this just that they train them so hard in the national team? Um, and, you know, she didn't have a great summer season that year. Um, it was, I think, 2001, Lucerne was where the World Championships were. And, you know, she was hugely disappointed with um, her doubles result. Um, but I suspect, maybe, I'll have to ask her, looking back, 
that maybe she'd been overtrained for quite a long time that this was showing in March. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, you know, sometimes you're on that. I mean, everyone who's competitive, you know, you ride the edge, you know, you ride the mm -hmm. edge of, you know, what's a little too much. And, you know, it doesn't matter for elite athletes, masters, you know, the people who are really competitive are going to push. And you just have to, takes a lot of control and self-awareness to, to manage that. And, you know, it, it's also, I think if you make changes, like you change a coach, you change a training program. These are also when you have major changes, these are also times when you have to be a little bit careful because the, the effect of the training might be different because it might session to session might build differently and it might have a really different effect on you. So, you know, when you make ch changes like coaches or programs, you know, again, give it a transition period and and just you know allow yourself some some adaptation it's always better to adapt on the cellular level okay so you have to think that you are composed of little cells right you're you're not a big muscle okay don't think like you're a big muscle you are composed of many 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 millions of little cells and each little cell has to change so you have to allow time for that to happen you can't say okay i'm going to change this big muscle it doesn't happen that way muscles change on the level of your cells that takes a little bit of time. It doesn't happen in a week, you know? So it's an ongoing process. And, you know, if you think of yourself on the microscopic level, I think it helps, it helps you think about training from the inside out, not from the outside in. I like that. That's a great thought. Now we'd like to thank everybody who supports this podcast. So if you're listening now and you've heard one thing that you think has been useful, that you can put into practice in your own rowing, please join us in our podcast supporters. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast and the uh, support starts at $1 per month. Uh, podcast supporters get a little extra surprises from us in the mail, which uh, we don't tell you about because we like them to be a surprise. And we are extremely grateful for every single one of you who is with us on this particular journey. So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun, fitness and confidence in their rowing. You can become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. Until next week. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Thank you.